We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 15th day of July, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Well, healthy and alive. Doing well. Very good, very good. And of course, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, the fan favorite, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Definitely verging on the psychotic today, I think. But yeah. Verging on the psychotic? I'm sorry to hear yeah. it. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's it's the... Um, Is it the heat? I know we're going to get on. No, no, it's not the heat. The heat's fine. The heat's lovely. It's not too hot at all. In fact, in the northwest of the country, it's only about 19 degrees, despite the warnings that it's going to be, you know, raging temperatures and, um, uh, you know, unescapable uh, climactic disasters, rising sea levels. And we're being warned about this by that jolly nice chap, Bill Gates, from his beachfront um, villa. So, yeah. It's very nice of him. It's very nice of him. It is. I mean... Are meteorologists, no, is that someone who studies meteors? Are weathermen and women can't even get what's going to happen next week right? So how are they managing to predict what's going to happen in about 300 years? Well, seeing as how they've been uh, zero for 45 or 46 or something like that uh, in all of their climate predictions since the 70s, I can't imagine that they're going to be right 300 years into the future. Prince but Charles, it's, especially, it's not, you know, he's... He's, oh. he's quite the climate guy, and he, he seems to make a lot of predictions about the climate, and he's been wrong every time, too, but he's never admitted he's been wrong. No, of course not. Well, one doesn't have to admit one's wrong if one is the heir to the throne. No, it's not even that that's making me psychotic. It's this farce of a leadership runoff for the Conservative Party. Oh, yes. Um, yes. And I know, I, I know we're going to come on to that a bit later. Or, yeah, or, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Wish. We'll get to that. Or I'll tell you what, let's just go ahead and jump into that. But before we before we jump right into that, I mean, I suppose this is all kind of connected. Tony Blair was given um, Knight of the, what was it? Knight of the Order of the Garter? No, he was, was made a Knight of the Order of the Garter, yes. Okay. Um, this individual, which I'm sure you're familiar with who this is. That's the one who looks like a corp witty. Is it Chris? First name Chris? Chris witty. Yeah. In, Chris witty. Yeah. As in that's him. crispy, crispy. Cause he looks like he's dried out a husk he, of a man. He, yes. Yeah, he, he does. I believe you even called him a wet fish of a man at one point in time, uh, which is an act. Well, no, I mean, uh, that, that, would, that would be a contradiction in terms. Either he's dried out or he's wet. Which one is it? I don't think I called him a wet fish, but he's definitely okay, looks like all a corpse. Right. Okay. All right. Well, he certainly he does look like a corpse. This is the former health advisor to the sage, whatever, you know, him and Jonathan Van Tam. And, you know, and then, of course, he's been um, he's been appointed uh, Knight Commander of the Order of the Bath for services in public health. Uh, yeah. This is another one of those things that just cheapens that. It's the honor system. Yeah. 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 It, it just it, the, it just cheapens it now. Well, yeah. Uh, and, and when we spoke about it before with Tony Blair, um, becoming an, you know, a knight of the garter, I did say that they are using the honor system to um, to validate and to give authenticity to the the lies 
to to the the you know the farce that is the the lockdowns and the the vaccine mandates and um, the mask wearing and all of the things that that we've been forced to do uh, as a result of this manufactured virus you know made to order yeah if they if they didn't give these sort of people <clears throat> honors then people would be asking the question why oh i think he deserves it he did so much for us what people fail to realize is that the majority of sage you know uh, are actually behavioral scientists they're actually psychologists and uh, sociologists so they were more advising on how to manipulate and get a population to comply than how to prevent you know uh, rapid infection of people and, mm -hmm. and implement mm -hmm. kind of infection control. Yep, yep, you're absolutely right. I thought I would play this uh, this clip here of uh, of Mr. Gates uh, and what he's been up to recently. Uh, he was he's in the UK uh, doing his whatever it is that he's doing, and um, his latest thing is genetically modifying beef cattle and other animals such as chickens and and things like that. Take a listen to this promo that he just put out. Well, the Gates Foundation has partnered with Diffit on a great number of things, and uh, among those are our work we do together on livestock, uh, helping animals survive uh, either by having vaccines or better genetics, uh, helping them be more productive. It's making a big difference. Uh, you know, I was down in Ethiopia seeing how chickens are out there uh, laying more eggs, getting more nutrition, uh, and even some small savings into the household. So uh, Edinburgh happens to be where a lot of the world's best work on this is done, and that's why uh, Diffid and the Gates Foundation are, are funding scientists here. Do you believe that Bill Gates wants to improve nutrition and get some savings into the household? I think not. No, I don't. I don't trust it at all. The thing is, if you get uh, a hen to produce more eggs, the nutritional value of those eggs or of the, the chicken itself drops. Out in the United Arab Emirates, they can't grow much food. They don't. They're 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 a desert country. But some of the things that are produced locally, particularly chicken and eggs uh, and some milk as well, because they have they have got um, they they import the feed. Uh, well, goats and camels and cows, but they're not grazing on on pasture. They're they're eating right. feed that is brought in from elsewhere. But the point I was trying to make is. Um, here in the UK and in America, for that matter, and particularly in America, um, chicken is flushed with water. It's overly inflated before it's slaughtered so that the, the breasts are absolutely huge. But the, the nutritional value and the flavor just isn't there. They're just great big slabs of, of white mush once cooked. Whereas those smaller chickens that we used to buy by the box load in the United Arab Emirates were really tasty. The eggs were super fresh and golden yolked and just much, much better quality food because they weren't having any of that crap that Bill Castrato Gates, because that's what he sounds like to me. He sounds like it's a Castrato. For those that are unaware, a Castrato was a, uh, a choir boy who was castrated to maintain their falsetto and upper register. But that's, that's beside the point. That food was much, much better for the consumer than the crap he's peddling. And I really object to, to a sign that says UK aid. Um, does that people. mean he's... UK is it for British people? He was talking about 
Africa there, wasn't he? Seeing how, he was how doing stuff. some, yeah, he was doing some stuff in Ethiopia, but he's funding all the research in Edinburgh. Right. Okay. Well, I wish he'd. Well, which what, we know he's got his hooks yeah, into Scotland. He's, he's so we, rich. He has got there. a beachfront property. Why doesn't he spend his time water skiing or fishing or doing something that doesn't bother the rest of us? I pitched voice, crinkly fart. Those things get boring when you're a, a billionaire. You when you well, when you, you do something a... different. I, I I can I can relate to that. I, I know what you're saying because I spent ten years Abu Dhabi in Dubai, and you you know once you've been to a water park and a and a mall and and the race course and and the and seen the Grand Prix and been to the Dubai Sevens. Not much else. You to get do. a bit tired. Well, you get a bit tired of all those things. But what I what I did was I spent lots of time doing uh, art i'm very bad at art but it's funny uh and, and when i used to send pictures of, of my art to people it made them laugh which is i'm fine with you and know you so, so i had a while you were out there i remember you said i worked on my poetry one of my absolute masterpieces is, is a poem called majorettes with tourettes which we we can't do on air because it would just be one continuous bleep that's not to make funny any of anyone with Tourette's, but it was a most amusing poem. No, I'd do that. I'd get into model making, um, tabletop wargaming, tabletop games, lots and lots of different things. You had to do most things inside, but I was in the gym, I was swimming, I was doing martial arts, all those Going kind of things. Range. I went regularly to the gun range, and I even started golf for a while, which I soon stopped once I realised how bad I was at it. But um, there, there are things to do, and when you're... A, uh, a billionaire you can do those things and if you want to be what's the word i'm looking for where, where you're you know philanthropic where you're, where you're using your money to to make other people's lives better you don't have to do a song and dance about it do it quietly you know it's it's the old adage isn't it with the um with the the celebrity oh, i don't like to talk about my charity work but i've done this and i've done that when they're interviewed on on tv Fuck off gates Sorry, <laughs> just just go away. Just stop bothering us. We don't need you. We don't like we, you. We don't want you. Um, stick all your ideas where the sun don't shine. I was actually saying pretty much that, not quite so colorfully as you just put it, but I was just saying that the other day to Bruce when I played that clip and we were reviewing it uh, post, and I said, why don't you just go away? Like, that would be the best thing for all parties involved here is just go away. Yeah, I'm perfectly prepared to um, put up with the fact that he's still drawing breath if he'd just go away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. He's too self-important to do that, though. He's too. So he thinks that, is that true, he has yeah. solutions for problems that we don't have. He only thinks that because he's never allowed anywhere near someone with uh, a free mind. He's always surrounded by sycophants and people who want something from him. Well, I'll tell you something, Gates. I want absolutely sweet Fanny Adams from you, your high-pitched voice, crinkly old fart. And with that being said, let's uh, let's move on to your um, your horse race that you got going on uh, in Westminster over there. Who's going to be your next PM? Well, things are changing on a daily basis. More people have dropped out of the of the runoff. But I believe we've still got Rishi Sunak is still running, uh, Rabid Jabid, and by the way, That's my his, his name's... That's my pick, yeah. Jabid. And uh, a female MP called uh, Penny Morden, who's uh, uh, MP for Portsmouth North. And I believe she is our, attorney, our current Attorney General, so our top lawyer. But 
She just, just had her book signed. I just have, have, have a picture of her with, um, well, by God, that's Bill Gates. <laughs> that is Bill Gates. I mean, I know that's a still picture, but I can hear the high-pitched whine from here. Um, yeah, she actually, she's one of the more experienced uh, of uh, parliamentarians left in the, in the runoff. I think it was 2012. So, so Starmer, Starmer's not throwing his hat in the ring then? The, the Starmer's in the Labour Party. He's yeah. in the Labour Party. He can't, oh, yeah, that's he right. Can't... Yeah, he can't be him. That's right. But but I, I'm assuming that they're trying to to push him up with like they're trying they're trying to to get the labor party back into the um uh, into the good graces the, of people the labor party will be keeping their powder dry um because quite frankly the conservative party are making enough of a mess of things for labor to gain all saw, the voters that they lost yeah back. but i even saw corbin the other day corbin was being interviewed again the other day he's still a member of parliament yeah but it's almost like they're trying to dredge him back up. Well, he, he's an influence. He's an influential member of the Labour movement. Um, he's still, I believe, the head honcho of the UK CND organisation, or has still got quite high membership within the campaign for nuclear disarmament. He's still um, very active in, in the Labour Party and within his constituency. So, yeah, you. They'll they'll be keep. Yeah, tell you one person you haven't heard much of lately, Diane Abbott. You've come yeah, across Diane Abbott. Yeah, yeah. What happened to her? I've no idea. I haven't seen her do anything or say anything for quite some time. And normally, every time, the you know, the only reason she opens her mouth is to change feet. And we haven't heard anything from her. So I would imagine the Labour Party are keeping their powder dry. They're keeping their politicians in check. Letting the Conservatives do a bad enough job that they're already doing so that they can regain all of those votes that didn't vote Labour that would have normally voted Labour but wanted Brexit to happen. So that vast majority that uh, Boris Johnson managed to win in 2019 is going to disappear. Um, it's good. Um, there's a strong possibility that the Labour Party will win the next election. Again, I'm not keen on that idea either, because as you know, and as we all agree, party politics is actually the problem. Um, you know, there, there's there's not enough independent thought. There's just the party line, whether it's blue, red or orange. Those parties drive their own agendas and they're not the agendas of their people. I was looking through the, the runners and riders in the election of, of the new Conservative Party leader. The majority of the ones that have been put forward have only really been MPs since around about 2015. So they're quite inexperienced. And that, that sort of resonated with me about Schwab. There was Schwab drew a paycheck for three years from university, and then all of a sudden heads up this organisation that is there to um, advise governments. That's kind of what we're getting with these these politicians that are putting themselves forward for the leadership role. They've got no experience or no real experience. One guy, Charles Walker, who has actually been an MP for, for a considerable amount of time, he's just backed out from the, the race and put himself behind Penny Morden. The thing is, I'm trying to work out who's the plant, who's the one calling the shots, because... Javin. Well, Walker, he had his education in the UK, but at the American School of London, and then his university was the University of Oregon. So that, to me, sounds like someone who has been scholarshiped 
through their education and through their university higher education. And we all know the sort of organizations that do that, those kind of scholarships. You know, the, what is it, the Free Society? Is it with um, Soros? Uh, open Society. Open Society, sorry. So then you've got Penny Morden, who, you know, her constituency is, as the crow flies, about seven miles from where I'm sitting right now. But she's got so many connections inside the World Economic Forum. She's attended lots of Davos meetings and she's just had Gates sign the foreword or write the foreword for her latest book. So that's what's making me psychotic is the fact that whoever we're going to get is going to be a puppet as I predicted. And this is my concern with uh, with Javid. I mean, he's um, he's been uh, Klaus Schwab's guy. I mean, that's he he's been he's been handpicked from the World Economic Forum. He's come through those universities, or excuse me, he's come through those institutions. So that's why I said that that's my pick because that's already a a, a foregone conclusion that it's going to be him. He's did his he did his job as uh, whatever he's done the health secretary thing. He's done his job there. He was a good little soldier there. And so bow out, get as far away as you can from the monstrosity that is uh, Boris Johnson and his cabinet and put your own hat in the ring and they'll make sure that he has his way paved for him. He's already there. He's he's well-spoken. He's um, not very well-received, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, especially if you're not holding a general election. If it's within the party, then as many people as they have compromised, and don't get me wrong, I think they're all equally compromised across the Western world anyway. Uh, there's enough people within these parties that are compromised with Schwab and his group of uh, whatever miscreants down there to make sure that the votes go the way they want them to go. Yeah, and, and it all just becomes a game, doesn't it? It's a, it's all just a game to them. They're, they're playing a game. They know they're going to be okay regardless of the outcomes. And there he is, Sajid Javid, right in front of the World Economic Forum stage, giving a speech. Now, when you've got an organisation like the World Economic Forum, people do have to attend, it seems. It, it, it You know, because you either join in and even Donald Trump made speeches at the World Economic Forum, but he was, in the speeches that I saw him make anyway, seemed to be putting them in their place as opposed to the supportive messages that people like Prince Charles and these other politicians, these British politicians have given. Trump was at least saying, we ain't doing this, we're not doing that, and uh, if you think we're going to do that, you've got another thing coming, was the kind of message he was given to the World Economic Forum. And I respect I also, him for that. I don't I, like the man, but I do respect him for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't mean to interject here, but uh, I, I I didn't know that Javid was also at one point in time your chancellor of the Exchequer. That job has been swapping about like crazy it uh, has, yeah. in the last few years. And uh, cabinet reshuffles um, have been happening throughout Boris's um, tenure as, as PM. And I don't know, was he... Was he the um, chancellor under May as well? I don't know, uh, but I, maybe Bruce can look that up. But uh, he is—he—he uh, he resigned as chancellor of the Exchequer under um, the whole deal with the uh, last year with uh, Dominic Cummings. If you remember that, the whole debacle there. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's not getting a lot of um, bad press at the moment from our media, unlike Rishi Sunak, who I. Don't really want as my next prime minister either, but you've got to think the one that's getting 
all of the grief, being called a snake, saying that he backstabbed Boris when he and Javid both resigned on the same day. But Javid isn't getting this kind of bad press. They both did exactly the same thing, but it's Sunak that's getting the the you know the the hatchet job done by the British media. So I would say maybe he is just very very rich, but might not be a member of that club. But we're you know it's the the, the jury's still out. There should be more vetting of anyone who enters Parliament or even stands as a candidate to make sure that they haven't been penetrated, as Klaus would say. You know, you um, do you find something on that? Yeah, well, the uh, the question I have is, uh, were you asking if he was a part of Deutsche Bank? <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that he wouldn't be involved with such a such an organization like that, would he? No. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he worked there for uh, 18 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. All right. Explains a lot, actually. You mentioned to me on the... He was a board member, by the way. He was a board member. <laughs> no corruption there or anything. You mentioned to me the other day, Marty, on the phone that uh, you were intrigued by my comment uh, when I said that um, we're going to have to uh, outlaw our political representatives in the future to uh, attend meetings at the World Economic Forum and we'd have to charge them. Uh, you seem pretty interested and pretty adamant about, uh, about my comment regarding that. Well, no, I totally agree because it's something that I've been had in my mind for for a long time now that um well it's, it's treason it's it's outright treason what are they there for they're supposed to be elected representatives of for and by the people and then they go down there and they meet with a bunch of those those sellout just absolute lunatics that are not elected that were not voted in by the people and they do their bidding as opposed to doing what the people that elected them are wanting this is this is an intrinsic problem with the british system um, and you don't often hear me criticize. Well, actually, I criticized the country quite a lot recently. But the MPs, once elected, don't have to do what their constituencies want. What they are mandated to do is to act in the best interest of their constituencies. But what is the best interest of their constituencies is up to a matter of their conscience, not a matter of referendum, not anything that's clearly written down. Because if it was, it would be much easier to oust uh, an MP who isn't doing the best he, he or she could do for their particular constituency. But before they become an MP, totally with you, they should be vetted. The kind of questions that I've had to answer for security clearance for the various jobs that I've done include, have you got any political affiliations? Do you belong to any um, secret societies? Do you belong to this, that, or the other? It's a 47-page long document full of questions about your past, most of which you've forgotten and have, have to look up again. You know, even providing my last five addresses, because I moved around a fair bit while I was in the Middle East, I had to provide evidence of where I lived while I was there. And, you know, fortunately, I kept all that paperwork and could do it. But it's a long, drawn-out process. Why isn't there those kind of um, measures put in place to vet um, parliamentary candidates before they're allowed to stand for any party? Because there shouldn't be this loyalty to an organisation in Switzerland. There should be 
loyalty to their constituencies and the citizens of this country. No, I agree with you. And and Schwab, you know, of course, himself, uh, he says it in our intro, actually, he says that uh, what we're very proud of is that we've penetrated these cabinets and we'll know that more than half the people that are in those cabinets are for our ideas and not for the ideas of those those uh, those peasants that uh, that vote for them. No, no, no. no. See, they don't, they, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they need there. We, we know better. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Everything um, everything you go through in order to be vetted for any type of security clearance or anything like that. I mean, I've had to cough up things before in um, in background checks and stuff that I didn't want to cough up. But if you don't and they find out about it, well, then that's the end of your uh, that's the end of your tenure with uh, whoever that might be. And I think it should be the same here with this. I and, mean, and once you once you have lied or um, not been complete with the truth on one of those um, oh, vetting finished. questionnaires, yeah, you're, you're finished. finished. You, you won't yeah. ever get another security clearance. Yeah. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yep. You're right. You're aware of what's going on in the Netherlands. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit last week. It's it's carried on. It's it's continued on. The Germans have now uh, joined in uh, on their side of the border. They actually exchanged some flags at a border crossing uh, yesterday. It was kind of funny, actually, to watch. Uh, but you're aware of what's going on up there, yeah, and what it's all about? Yeah, it's about this 70% reduction in the um, use of nitrogen yes. uh, within agriculture. And, you know, we, we've already talked about it, but for our listeners... You can't farm without the use of nitrogen. Nitrogen isn't a threat. For a start, it makes up something like 78% of breathable air yes. is nitrogen. Yes. Something around that around that area, because only 16% of breathable air is oxygen. Um, the other bits are carbon dioxide uh, and a few other various spurious gases. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, why? Why is this... Dutch politician pressing this line. It's well, it's because they want to cut off food supply down. I don't yeah. want my food coming from Holland anyway. Um, I don't want my food, whatever it is, to travel more than about 40, 50 miles maximum. Obviously, within the EU, you've got this setup where one country grows one thing, another country grows another. It even extends to people where this country is going to train all your neuroscientists and this country is going to train all your dentists. All my The last three dentists that I've seen in the one dentist practice have all either come from Cyprus or Albania or these, these kind of areas in Eastern Mediterranean or Black Sea. That's where dentists are being grown. So... Where I'm going with this, because I'll have to get back on track. We're growing is that, dentists, yeah. I like that. Yeah, they've made a decision who's going to have what. And that's why they want this freedom of movement, because they'll set up one country to train particular types of doctor or particular types of nurses or other medical healthcare professionals, different types of engineers, software engineers, mechanical engineers, civil engineers. Specific countries within the EU have been given the task by the commission to do this. Uh, and it's the same with food. Um, Holland produces a great deal of beef, but we don't see much Dutch beef on British shelves. So that must be being exported elsewhere further east. But what we do see is lots of tulips and daffodils and crocuses and other completely useless things that, although pretty, that the Dutch grow. They've So I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that, about, you know, well, come next month. Or Valentine's Day, there's going to be a flower shortage. As yeah. not, I can tell you, I can tell you one of the reasons why that was put through that we learned this week, 
And it just so happens that the Dutch minister that put that uh, emissions bill through has a brother-in-law. And his brother-in-law owns an online supermarket called Picnic. And it just so happens to specialize in a couple of things. One, they deliver all of the items from their online supermarket with electric vehicles, right? So you're saving the earth there, right? Because all this is about climate change. Now, I have, I have a reason I'm wanting to talk about this, because this goes to reference what I found out today about the UK. But they're using the excuse of climate change, because that's what's being used everywhere now to absolutely decimate our economies. So not only do you have this company that is run by this member of parliament's brother-in-law that delivers food with an electric vehicle fleet, they also happen to specialize in plant-based meat. And they got a fresh infusion of capital last year in the amount of 600 million euros from Bill Gates. I'm actually speechless. I mean, I actually, I, I listened when you mentioned this before and I was speechless then, but it's so blatant as to why and the, the motives behind all of these actions. I think I've tried to mention before, but I always get them in the wrong order. It's motive, means and opportunity is the way in which... Uh, a detective might start to investigate a crime. Once you've got a clear motive, what were the means? Well, I'm a politician in charge of this, uh, so I have the means to instigate this. And the opportunity is is tends to be one and the same thing. So they, they get a double whammy for, for crime once you're a, a politician. You've got the means to implement and the opportunity. And normally in a murder, a stabbing, for instance, well, I stabbed him because he was sleeping with my wife. The means was I had a knife and the opportunity was I went into hit the pub where he drinks. You know, you follow those things through, but you do that with, with this, which is a crime. It is a crime. It's... it's um, it is. They're literally what making you, what you they're making it. living illegal is what they're doing. Yeah, it's fraud, it's corruption, it's it's all of those things. But to give that crime a specific name, I think it's quite difficult, and that's one of the ways in which they're getting away with it. Because on the face of it, there's there is no legislation, there's nothing on the statute books that can stop him from doing it. No, and it's the same thing with uh, with him buying up all the farmland in America. It's the exact same thing. Well, there is that, but. The thing that is happening there is greed, greed and ignorance. The people selling him the land. Well, no, they're they're ignorant of why he wants to buy the land. Because if if they really knew why he wanted to buy the land, would they still sell it? But the chances are they would still sell it because they're greedy. It's it's I mean, it's a fact of life. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's unfortunately we have our own human nature used against us time and time again. We want to be part of the herd. We don't want to stand out from the crowd. We don't want to stand up and say this is wrong because we don't want to be the one that they all turn their backs on. So people making a stand and not selling arable pasture and you know other land to Bill Gates just won't happen. People will sell because they are ignorant. They've got their own human nature survival instinct kicking in and they're greedy. So it's a, a, a triple whammy again. It is. It is. Climate change. That is the soup du jour for uh, bringing your country down, isn't it? That's what they're saying about everything. Well, I found this well, today. I don't, yeah, I, go on. Before you go on to that, I, I don't know how that can really affect the United Kingdom because well, we have got no industry left. It's all well, it's been okay. outsourced. 
don't worry. Don't worry. I know exactly what you're saying, because but believe me, the U.S. is the same way, nearest enough. But I found this today. Don't worry, because you don't have to worry about the industry being gone because they're going to go other ways with it. A U.K. government report states that all U.K. airports must close within the next 10 years. That's not including the other things that they have mentioned here. All beef and lamb is to be banned, along with new construction of buildings, all of which must cease in the name of climate change. I'm sorry, who's saying that? And from which mental institution? um... (laughs) I was hoping you would ask. I was hoping you would ask. A report produced by Oxford University and Imperial College of London, which, by the way, that just happens to be where Professor Armageddon, Mr. Neil Ferguson, has his tenure. The, The man that said we were going to have millions and millions of people dead with COVID if we didn't lock down, you know, that the man that said that, well, we didn't think we could get away with the Chinese style system here until we actually just did it. You know, we didn't yeah, think people uh, were dumb enough to go same, along with it. The but. same man that was putting lockdown and travel and meeting restrictions on us all yes. while simultaneously having a, having a, an extramarital affair. Yes. That, that one. one. Yes, that one. Okay, as long as we're talking about the same person, fine. Uh, In this report, it reveals that all airports will be ordered to close. Eating beef and lamb will be made illegal, and construction of new buildings will not be permitted in order to meet the legal commitment of zero emissions by 2050. However, this is not for 2050. I will go through exactly what this says, word for word, in the report itself. The report states that all airports, this is in the United Kingdom, All airports must close between 2020 and 2029, excluding Heathrow, which is in London, been there, god-awful busy airport, Glasgow, and Belfast airports, which can only stay open on the condition that transfers to and from the airport are done via rail. All remaining airports must close between 2030 and 2049 as to meet the legal commitment of zero emissions by 2050. Every citizen of the United Kingdom must stop using airplanes for a significant period of time. In addition, the report states that to obey the law of the Climate Change Act, the public would be required to stop doing anything that causes emissions, regardless of its energy source. According to the report, this will require the public never to eat meat, including beef and lamb, ever again. To do this, national consumption of beef and lamb will drop 50% between 2020 and 2029, and then between 2030 and 2049, beef and lamb will be phased out. So let's talk about the modes of transportation. Shall we? Do you have any questions up to this point? Uh, no, no. Okay. Let's talk about the, uh, the modes of transportation. We're going to start with road vehicles. Road vehicles. This is what will happen, according to this report, from 2020 to 2029. Development of petrol and diesel engines will end. Any new vehicle introduced from now on must be compatible with, quote, absolute zero. What happens after 2029? Well, let's take a look. 2030 to 2049, all new vehicles will be electric, and the average size of cars will be reduced to 1,000 kilograms. That's about a ton, by the way, uh, in in imperial measurements. In in old money, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's cars. Let's look at rail, right? Because you still have rail tra- uh, travel in the uh, in the UK. Let's look at rail. 2020 to 2029. Growth in domestic and international rail as a substitute for flights and low occupancy car travel. 2030 to 2049. Further growth with expanded network and all electric trains. Rail becomes the dominant mode for freight as shipping will decline. Uh-huh. 
Let's look at flying, right? We've already talked about what they're going to do with the airports. 2020 to 2029, all airports except Heathrow, Glasgow, and Belfast will close with transfers by rail. 2030 to 2049, all airports will close. So food, right? We talked about food because your beef and lamb and other forms of meat, all, all animal products will be banned, basically is what they're saying. 2020 to 2029, national consumption of beef and lamb drops by 50%, along with reduction in frozen ready meals and air freighted food imports. 2030 to 2049, beef and lamb will be phased out completely, along with all imports not transported by train, fertilizer use, will be greatly reduced. This is what the Dutch are dealing with. You're just going to get it at a later time. The report also confirms construction of new buildings must cease by 2050. The underlying point is that any asset which uses carbon will have essentially zero value in 2050. This may in turn uh, encourage greater use in the run-up to 2050. For example, putting up new buildings at a much faster rate in the next 30 years, knowing that construction must then halt. Uh, report was released. The first report was released in t- November of 2019 and was authored by UK Fires, which was a collaboration of, listen to this, between the universities of Cambridge, Oxford, Nottingham, Bath, and Imperial College of London, which again was the home of Professor Neil Ferguson. Entitled Absolute Zero, the report is a research collaboration in which the authors reveal that the UK must do to meet the legal requirement to reach net zero emissions by 2050. However, the timeline of events may speed up significantly because of what's happening here. Now they're making all these mistakes. They're trying to ram everything through uh, in the meantime. But the authors of the report state the key message are as follows. In addition to reducing our energy demand, delivering zero emissions with today's technologies require the phasing out of flying, shipping, lamb and beef, blast furnace steel and cement. They also state this on jobs and location. There are two key implications for how we must live our lives. First, buildings will become much more expensive because the restrictions on building will generate substantial scarcities. Second, transport will become much more expensive because the limits on air travel will generate excess demand for other forms of transport. Those who are starting secondary school now, which would be 2020 to 2023, somewhere along in there, will be 43 years old in 2050. Thinking about what education is appropriate for a different set of industries is a key question. Should we still be training airplane pilots or aeronautical engineers? And they state this on implementation and the requirements. The changes in behavior to achieve absolute zero are clearly substantial. In principle, these changes could be induced through changing prices, in other words, pricing you out of buying anything at all ever again, and thus providing clear incentives for behavior to change, forcing you to change, forcing you into compliance. That's what they're saying. The alternative is that the government prohibits certain types of behavior and regulates on the production process. That's what we're doing already, isn't it? You may be wondering how on earth they're going to get the support of the public uh, in shutting the airports and stopping the consumption of lamb and beef. Well, let's take a look. They're already on their way to doing it, aren't they? They seem to have very little, if any, resistance at the moment. So if they start closing airports, I mean, which they've already done, this was kind of like the first wave in, in all of that, stopping travel and things like that. They've already closed the airports and they're already heavily restricting the industry now. They're jabbing all these pilots. We were reading the other day that there's a, a shortage of 12,000 pilots in America. 12,000. Now, I could understand a few hundred, but 12,000 pilots? No. Well, we lost quite a few because they were one of the first groups to all be yep. jabbed. And yep. we saw the the um, the list of pilots that had died um, 2020 to 2022. Yep. yep. Something like a 4,000% uh, increase, yeah. Yeah. 
in in pilots dying you know normally quite fit people yeah um this this there's a few things here from from all you've just Do you said. see why i bring this um, up though this this is oh, not absolutely. restricted absolutely. this is not restricted to the netherlands this is coming everywhere yeah this is a a high asking price and what the possibly possibly well-intentioned people who wrote this think is that if we demand this we might get something a bit lower but it will make a difference my issue is that within higher and further or further and higher education you've got certificate level diploma level bachelor's degrees master's degrees phds and so on i think this was written by the kindergarten wings of those universities i'm being facetious of course um it was probably written by the younger brothers and sisters of the ones at kindergarten within those universities they are just ramping up the the whole climate change message that was rushed down our throats by Thunberg a little while ago by Prince Charles constantly all of which can be totally discredited the the science to my mind that I've looked at doesn't add up as I said earlier on our uh, meteorologists can't predict what's going what the weather's going to be like next week let alone 30 40 50 300 years into the future so whilst things are changing the planet has always gone through these cycles. Within our history, recent history, maybe, when was the last ice age? 15,000 years ago, something like that. There's evidence of ice ages that have then brought ice all the way down from the pole, uh, from the North Pole and up from the South Pole. And, and then it's it's gone away again. It's started to move back. And there will be this cycle. There will be these changes. It's only to be expected. But because we are uh, expanding, expanding and the well-to-do, the elite have invested in areas that, hang on, we're going to lose most of the Maldives shortly. Uh, they'll be back again in 10,000 years. All that land in my house and everything is going to disappear underwater. But that's what happens with a planet. That's what happens with a... The, the planet is alive. It's a living entity and it changes and goes through cycles. So that's where I'd like to draw a line under that. That is a, a high asking price from which, if anything at all comes from it, because bearing in mind it's only a paper released by a collaboration between several universities, who we all know are fully infiltrated by, you know, far left thinking. And their funding. Um, yeah, and, and and where their funding comes from. So it, it it doesn't have to, governments don't have to take any notice of it, uh, and and they probably won't, but they will probably do some of those things, and that might make things a little bit easier. It might slow down pollution, but ultimately the planet is going to go through this cycle of change that it's done for many, 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 many millions of years. Yeah, it is now, true. Like the construct, just on the construction side of things, and, and on the travel side of things, and Bruce and I have talked about this before. If we can get graphene down to a, a, an art form, if we can get that down to a science, that will eliminate pretty much everything that we know in the realms of everything we have in the manners of petrochemicals. Now, that will eliminate all of that. All of the concrete will go away. All of the um, like microchips, all of our LCD screens, all of our batteries, everything, everything will go away. Everything will be replaced. Even our clothing will be replaced. We won't be using the fibers anymore. Part of what you said earlier on was about, should we really be uh, training 
uh, and educating that airline pilots yeah. and aeronautical engineers, aer- aerospace engineers. Well, if you don't, those kind of developments are never going to happen. One of the biggest problems we have is everyone wants everything yesterday. So it's speed. It's how long it takes. I've been around the world three times, literally around the world three times. But I did it on a ship, you know, and it travels nice and slowly. You can go around the world three times in about four days if you use aircraft. Yeah, they do pollute. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not a, a you know, it's not that they don't cause some pollution. But these kind of developments that are needed to to uh, scrub the um, emissions so that it's it's not emitting carbon into the atmosphere, they're not going to be worked on unless we are training those kind of people into those kind of jobs. But as I said just a little while ago, the UK hasn't got any bloody industry anymore. Um, it's It's being outsourced all over the world. And one of the few things that we still do really well is aerospace technology uh, and, and those kind of developments. Some of the fastest... Um, Cars in the world, you know, the, the Grand Prix cars, the, the F1 cars, the developments made inside that heavily polluting sport have improved performance and reduced pollution in cars that have come into man- you know, in, into production. So, again, we need to be training, I think, more of, of those kind of people. But part of my job is about curriculum and what we need inside a curriculum and a syllabus to get what our industries need. And the way we're going and the way things are sounding, I think they're going to have to start including things like tantric yoga in in, in high schools as as a, a GCSE. They're already doing it. They're already doing it. Uh, and you know, transgender counseling and all those kind of things need uh, are going to need to be a, a, a kind of GCSE level. Again, I'm being facetious, just in case anyone was wondering. But moving on from the transport and the engineering, because I tell you what, people are not going to want to stop going on holiday. No. So that report, all those wonderful communist institutions such as Oxford, Cambridge and um, Imperial College London is, is going to be largely ignored. But this uh, this concept of not eating lamb or beef. It's good you brought that up because I've got something on that. But go ahead. Right. I don't know where I got this from, but I believe that when mankind first were first recognized as human beings, as you go back through, you know, paleontology and uh, and, and ancient history, there was only one blood group. But as we developed different types of agriculture and different diets, those blood groups became you know, from O to B, A to B to B pos, B neg, and and so on, because of what we were eating. So if you if you were, for example, if you were eating cattle, that your nomadic lifestyle, you herd the cattle along with you, you'd be a particular type of blood group. But if you were settled uh, at a farm and were eating largely poultry or fish, you'd be a different blood group. I'm wondering if with all this veganism and everything that's going on and soon to be eating bugs, um, as as we saw just the other day, if there's going to be a new blood group appear as people's diets change. I don't necessarily think there'll be a new one. I think it'll be a more common one. The the commonalities will shift uh, because you, you do see cultures that do have more of a 
a slightly different diet. I don't know. We could end up having because uh, now that I think about it, I think every culture has some meat source uh, or or some you know form of nutrition that comes from meat. And no, you guys are all wrong. I don't think you any got, of them are all vegetarian. You got, no, you got it all vegan. wrong. You know, so you got it all wrong because you guys already know. We we talked about this last week when you were on, Marty. You guys already know what we're going to be eating in place of meat products. It's going to be bugs. Yeah, I'm gonna insects. I'm gonna eat Nicole Kidman. <laughs> there is a new video that is out by the World Economic Forum on eating bugs. This is a bug chef, okay? This is a this is an insect chef, and he's going to explain to you why we should all eat more bugs. <laughs> They're good for the planet and they're good for us. It takes a fraction of the resources to grow a pound of crickets as it does a pound of beef. And so the amount of water it takes, the greenhouse gas emissions that it emits compared to livestock, the amount of land that's required, amount of feed that's required. There are so many factors that just lead to, you know, this is kind of smart. So there's going to be 10 billion people by 2050, and we're going to need to change everybody's food system and, uh, in order to, you know, because that's going to put pressure on water supplies, and it's going to increase emissions. So we're going to have to change everything. So we need to eat insects because they're all good for us, and they have a lot of vitamins and protein. What about taste? And as a chef, the most important thing for me when I serve my food is that it tastes delicious. It has to taste good. And so I have to stand behind everything that I serve. So if I taste something and it doesn't taste right, then I'm not going to serve it. I mean, that never happens, thankfully. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, that's part of the great challenge and the creative mission for me is how do I take something that people don't perceive as food and make it crave-worthy, make it something so that people will go like, man... I never thought I would want to eat insects, but looking at his food, I I really want to try it. Poor little deluded man. There you go, right there. Again, he, he believes in what he's doing. The fact that what he's doing should have no relevance or bearing on my life or anyone I know's life doesn't seem to be important anymore because that's what's being pushed. I, I don't know if that actually adds up. Because if you think how much or how many crickets you have to eat and how much vegetation, or the, maybe not crickets, but if we look at uh, locusts, which are similar to any of that stuff, yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're a very, they're, they're the same genus of, of insect. Yeah. You know, a plague of locusts can decimate fields of crops. So they do consume. And if you've got naturally growing grass and you've got pasture-fed cattle, they're revitalizing the land because they pass it through their system and fertilize the, the pasture uh, themselves. They taste better. They don't have to have loads of additives put in to make them taste better. They don't have to be deep fried, which seems to be the majority of ways in which people are cooking mealworms, crickets, scorpions, all these kind of things. And, you know, here in the UK, uh, we don't have scorpions, thankfully. I've been stung by a scorpion in Cyprus, have you as really? it happens. Yeah. Uh, and it made my hand swell up to like three times 
the size that it no- normally is. And I had to come in off the exercise for a couple of days while this swelling went down. You can eat them, but you know. we don't have them here, so they're, they're going to be opened up in fart. If, if we start eating that kind of rubbish, these farms are going to be opened up here as well because they don't travel that well. Or if they are traveling, if they're being shipped in from thousands of miles away, the whole concept of uh, or the reason for eating them in the first place disappears because they're they suddenly their carbon footprint is huge because they're being shipped all over the world. All of a sudden, we're going to have. You know, the, the odd stray scorpion turning up in the United Kingdom. Ecosystems are going to be messed about with. Australia won't have it. I'll tell you that for nothing. You won't find any, other than what's already there, you won't find any non-Indigenous species getting itself into any Australian farm. Yeah, they're, they're pretty Same bad with, about that down there, as, like, as far they, as... They are strict as you like. It's, yeah. a, it's a very, very delicate ecosystem, and they're very protected of it so why shouldn't we be protective of our ecosystems as well um well it's for the earth uh, marty it's for the earth don't you want to save the earth would you eat insects for the plant you saw the the no, question there at no, the end i'll, I'll say <laughs> it here categorically quite selfishly no i'm not eating insects for the planet i'll do my best to eat all of the cows and sheep and chickens so that there's fewer of them around uh, i'll redouble my efforts um uh, in consuming that particular protein uh, but the trouble is, people just keep farming more. So you know, it'll it'll be like painting the fourth bridge, as, as we say. It's a job that never ends. There's kind of a um, another coming at a different angle with the insects, and not just looking at the fact that they're insects and that's disgusting. But uh, the, the other side of it is, uh, insects usually are scavengers. Most of your scavenger foods, if you look at the studies that have been done, they're not exactly healthy for you. Um, they're they're some of them taste good, like pork. Uh, that's pretty good. But uh, when you look at, well, I'll use, since I use that, if you look at the examples of um, pig, they've done the, uh, I don't know if it's a radioisotope or whatever the hell it is that they do. They inject it with something and then they can tell where it goes to your body. The, the, the fats that are from that go straight to the same general location on your body. So if you're having, um, you know, meat from the neck, guess what? The fat's going straight to your neck and, you know, different, uh, different areas like that. Um, and it's not, it's not exactly like whatever the, whatever the animal is putting into themselves, that's what's in the meat. Like that's, that's what's there. So we've, I'm, I'm not interested in yeah, insects. No, but we, we've evolved alongside and we're in a continuous process of evolution alongside our um, farmed animals that we eat. You know, we've evolved alongside them. So the way in which we metabolize what we get from them has also evolved. And you mentioned the other day when we watched that Nicole Kidman farce about the levels of uh, testosterone, for instance, because it's present in beef and it's present in lamb and it's it, you know it's there and if we want to become you know weaker beta people or beta i should say then crack on eat your insects but that's not what i want for me and others like me and those that are coming after me not coming after me because i'll turn around and get them but i mean you know what i mean i don't want them to be weak people i want them to have the get up and go the, the determination and grit to stand their ground but that's not what they want from us. They want us to be compliant and and weak and meek and mild. Well, you know, uh, that's that's not how most people are. 
there's some great cultures around the world and a, and a lot of cultures grow up with their own specific type of warrior. And that warrior is there as a protector uh, of his community. And if you take away those protectors, those communities are so vulnerable. Um, and I'm not just talking about physical combat, war, those kind of things. I'm talking about standing up against political ideas, against the corporations, against people with money just pushing less fortunate people around. And without, you know, that kind of food-induced ability, if it's through testosterone or other growth hormones, naturally occurring growth hormones, without that, we're, we're lost. So, yeah, stick your insects right up there. You know, I, I thought we would end on this, and it's just a, it's comic relief more than anything else. Marty, you, you said that if someone was coming after you, you'd turn around and get them, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're the closest thing that we have to our own uh, in-house ninja, if you will. Do, do you feel like you're that some days? I mean, do you, do you feel like you, you, know, you can outwit uh, the person uh, that's trying to get you? I mm, Sometimes, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Well, there is another ninja that's out there, and it it's said to be extremely deadly. Uh, and I just wanted you and I wanted all the listeners to be on the lookout for it. It's being proclaimed that it's a it's a ninja. So I just wanted you to be aware of it because I know that you're very well trained and you really need to be watching out for this because I'm concerned about you. COVID variant known as the ninja is spreading in Europe and here in the United States as well. It could be the most dangerous one that we've seen yet appearing to be um, uh, better uh, dodging our antibodies and be more contagious. Well, you know what, let me extrapolate on that. I agree, you know, we have definitely variants that are, every month we have a new variant. And there is, has been no evidence so far that these new variants have made people sicker or uh, made them die more. Um, so there's a new variant out there that's called the, whoa, whoa, the Ninja whoa, whoa, variant. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, just, just a second, just a second. Blonde Pee Wee Herman there that's on the you screen. You noticed that, right. you noticed that, huh? This is the L.A. health minister. Die more. You can't die more. You can die once. And what was the other? More sicker as well. More it's sicker, yes. More sick or sicker. No, not that. That's it. He can't even speak English. How am I supposed to take advice on virology from someone who looks well, it's like a ninja virus, Marty? So you, it's a ninja variant. So you need to you need well, to be looking out for that. It's this, spreading across the U.S. and Europe. Don't don't you care? This is Fox News. It's, it's, it's Rupert Murdoch. It's like, it's Cartoon Network for, it is. It's, with, it's without, a sun papers. without the drawings, isn't it? Um, it's the Sun Papers on TV. That's all it is. Yeah. And, and of course, they're using the term ninja um, just to strike up fear because, uh, you know, it must be super tough. And how that bimbo, no offense, ladies who are out <laughs> there that have a brain, because most of you have, but the woman presenting the news on there, she's the, I think she's the only surviving American brain donor. Uh, how could she keep a straight face? If she had any brain know. at all, she'd be laughing herself at what she was saying. Well, when you're paid enough, you'll, uh, uh, you know, do the same. Uh, she was struggling there yeah, a little no, bit. She, you know, she, she was struggling. Was... She says, uh, it's a little bit more um, uh, deadly than the other. Oh, dear. Well, I, what? Had, I had to, my friend. I had to. No, no, I appreciate. Thank you. Th thank you for showing me that. It's it's not cheered me up, but it's 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 fired me up because um, uh -huh. 
That's what we need. That's what we need everyone to be fired up for the testosterone um, and fighting back against the crap that is being inflicted upon us. I would ask a question real quick on this and and say, uh, why is it after we have uh, a vaccine with multiple boosters, is the disease that the vaccine is supposed to protect you against becoming more virulent and becoming more deadly? Uh, well, Mike Yaden. Uh, in one of his more recent videos, explained that beautifully. And I, I'm not going to give it full justice here, but it's because they picked the part of the vaccine that is most likely to mutate. And you don't do that. He said it himself. Again, I'm not a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. Uh, and I'm not a doctor. I listened to Mike Yaden. And what he said was that for all of the manufacturers of these vaccines, but they're not vaccines, they're they're a really bad form of gene therapy. For them all to get it wrong, it's deliberate. And they have all yep. got it wrong. And that yep. they've gone against their normal um, best practices when it comes to uh, working out how best to tackle a virus. They, they've broken all their own rules. And they've today, great uh, GB News actually started talking uh, about vaccine injuries. And yep. there was a piece on our mainstream media today about that. The debate, I don't know if I've mentioned this already, but the debate for about vaccine injury and the safety of the vaccines is uh, 19th of September, I believe, in the Houses of Parliament. The petition has worked, enough people signed it. And so I'll be interested to watch that because whichever puppet winds up as uh, PM is obviously going to be fairly influential in that debate. And whoever winds up as our health minister is going to have to take part in that debate. But something that's happening at the moment in the Houses of Parliament what about is that, that... Hold on a minute. What about the health ministers like Javid and uh, and Hancock and these, these people that were pushing it in the first place that caused those injuries by their nonsensical claims when they were the health ministers? Well, fortunately for them, they're now not in that post anymore. Well, it doesn't matter. People, they were there when the crime well, occurred. Uh, people will forget. You know, people will forget what, what has happened. We said right at the start of the whole pandemic, don't forget things. Don't forget all of the dots that you can join up now and see what has happened. Go back, people. Have a look at our stuff, other stuff, and you can just remind yourself. Keep it all fresh in your mind because this is no longer just a short story. This is a saga. And, and there's so many plot lines and interwoven threads inside it, and they need to be remembered and revisited on a regular basis. But yeah, people will forget, unfortunately, uh, unless we keep reminding them that small dissident voice keeps keeps going and they'll get away with it unless something changes dramatically. So, But I'll be interested to see what happens in September with that debate. Me as well. And uh, I'm sure we'll be discussing it when it does happen. So um, we're going to have to go ahead and call this one done. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We'd appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Gentlemen, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Thanks, Johnny. Good night, Bruce.